Are you there, God? It's us, Sid King and Becca Stevenson. Welcome to the Good Girls Gone Sad podcast, where we unpack our childhood drama and try to figure out why we are the way we are. We're here to answer the questions, what made you good and what makes you sad? I'm so excited to introduce our guest today. She is a New York-based ballerina, Ukrainian dancer, and aerialist who was recently featured in Vogue's Global Women series. Please give it up for Tatiana Ozaruk. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Thank you so much for that intro, Sid. And so nice to chat with you too, Becca. So nice to chat with you. Um, for those of you who don't know, which is probably most people, uh, Tatiana was also my sorority sister in college. Fun fact. Um, we called ourselves Pisters, which are pie sisters, sisters of the pie. <laughs> I feel like you should yep. have been Pisters. <laughs> I feel like that would make sense too. I, I think we wanted it to be dumb. Like our sorority's whole vibe was hot on a good day, but kooky. Kooky is a good way to describe it. Like very, very goofy vibes for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that. But refined in our in our later twenties, I like to think. <laughs> yeah, we've never we've all never blown peaking. up. I would say. I would agree. I would agree. I think that's true for my college friends too. Actually, now that I think about it, I feel like everyone's like really thriving in the twenties and thirties. And yeah, you know, college was great, but we were we were a mess, a collective mess. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of how it should be, right? Like, you never want to feel like you're, like, peaking during any one phase of your life. Like, that was great Especially period. Especially not Early in college, 20s. Yeah. Or, yeah, like, good period. Now we're in a good, great period. We're just on the up and up. That that's so like I was listening to Celebrity and Memoir Book Club, and um, they were reviewing Cecily Tyson's book. And she died, like, a week after it was published. And they're like, that's how you do it. You write a memoir and go out right at the end. Like, you don't have enough to say until the very end. She was like 98 or something and then published her book and was like, all right, good to go. No need for a sequel. Yeah. No. Leave it all on the table. Don't have to and worry exactly. about like <laughs> bad reviews. You don't have to hear the bad reviews. <laughs> yeah. Not my business. <laughs> well, we are really excited to have you on. Um, so I think we can just jump right into our first question. Tatiana, we would love to know your good girl origin story. What made you a good girl? Well, my dance background is definitely, I think, where I primarily developed my my good girl um, persona. Um, it's kind of what has led has led to my pers- one of my primary personality traits being um, being on time, which is actually my addition to the good girl glossary. And it's ironic nice. because today I was not on time and I still feel very guilty about it. Um, but I feel like you guys are both um, of, of dance background. So I think, you know, like you're raised from kind of a young age to be like very compliant and not really question um, and just kind of like take your orders, which is fine and dandy and you make yourself pretty well doing it. So you're a ballerina and also a Ukrainian dancer. You know, like what was your week like when you were a child? Yeah, it was primarily ballet. Um, I did ballet since I was three. Um, I like saw girls in point shoes and I was like, I'm going to do that one day. Um, And I really like stayed the course um, to get to that point. Um, I, when I was in elementary school, I think I took like one class a week. Um, And then you kind of jack it up in like your middle school years um, to a few classes a week. And then by the time I was in high school, it was like, I want to say almost every day from like four to nine um, ballet classes, rehearsals, et cetera. Saturdays were um, ballet classes, rehearsals. And then I would actually go to the city to do Ukrainian dance. Um, So I actually started doing Ukrainian dance during the summers when I was uh, 
uh, 10 or 11, I want to say. Um, but I went to a Ukrainian dance camp that was up in the Catskills um, and very much fell in love with it. It was like a ton of fun, especially compared to how structured and like rigid ballet feels. Um, so also made some very wonderful friends through that camp and like just really looked forward to that. Um, but I didn't do it um, kind of in my week to week until um, I was... 16 and joined their like adult professional um company Sizzle um so yeah when I was in high school my weeks were pretty insane where it was like every day after school I was going to ballet class from like four to nine and then on Saturdays it was class starting at like 10 30 um followed by rehearsal followed by um going to the city to go to Ukrainian dance practice which would go from six to nine um and then Sundays were off um so it was a pretty pretty insane schedule to keep but at the time I like lived for it (laughs) yeah and you're from outside of the New York City you're from like Westchester is that right yeah I'm from Westchester originally so um, that's so interesting because I feel like dance can be very intense everywhere but I feel like when you have access to a big city it's a totally different ball game like I have can't relate to that, but that's just amazing that you were going in and out of the city every weekend and just like adding on to your already crazy schedule. Yeah. It's, I'm really grateful that I had it in retrospect. Like I love, I loved those years where I was like really living to dance as much as I could. Um, And it's also fun comparing that with like now where like dance is still very much a part of my life, but it's not the center point as it once was. Um, So it's nice kind of looking back retrospectively and seeing the balance that I have now and comparing that with where I was then, where I was like, I love hating my life in a studio for eight hours a day. (laughs) Did you like the rigidity of ballet? Because I always felt that there was a lot of comfort in being like, there's rules and you follow them and... I don't know. I think I even kind of liked the fact that you could never, like you were always getting better and sort of competing with yourself, which in retrospect, I'm like, I think that had a huge impact on how I see life all the time. And I'm always like, there's another step that you can do and you can always get better. But I feel like I really liked that when I was younger, that there was like technique and you wanted to strive to hit that correct technique. And then we'd go to something like hip hop where you just kind of have to like get it or you like either your body moves that way or it doesn't and mine didn't and I was like I don't like this (laughs) I want to go back to the rules (laughs) oh my god totally no I think that's actually kind of my good girl origin story because I very much loved the structure and the rules and knowing exactly what I needed to do to succeed um Mm -hmm. and like what exactly I needed to do to like be technically in line um and yeah that's definitely led to some um interesting observations as an adult um but at the time I like loved, I loved knowing like the exact rules that I needed to succeed. Like having my rubric of like my fifth position looks like this and my passe looks like this and my arabesque looks like this. And for that, I know I succeed. Um, mm-hmm. And I also loved like the structure of, of classes. Like, um, I, I, like they start at a very specific time, you know, you know what to expect as you move through the class and like kind of warm up your body. Um, it was like all a very predictable process. Um, and I don't know, like choreography as well. Like you just practice it and practice it and practice it. And like, you're able to predict where people go and where you fit into that puzzle. And it's just, yeah, I think that's definitely, um, I like order for that reason in some ways. Um, and for a while I actually felt like I wasn't a creative person. I just knew how to execute 
orders by another creative person well. Um, so that's something that I feel like I've been playing around with as I've um, as I've gotten older and just kind of like explored other forms of movement. Oh, that's, that's so interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like um, I kind of did ballet because I had to, like to support my other kinds of dance but I was like a tap girl and a jazz girl because they're like yeah go go out there with your personality um I would like do a lot of the improv stuff like dance wise there was this thing called um lyrical improv that they had at like the dance competitions because I was in like the competition dance world and they would just put on a song and you had to go out there and like improv the entire number and you didn't know what the song was going to be and I was the best at that I was very like I was very good at that but my dad was like you realize you're just copying all of the numbers you basically saw throughout the weekend and I was like yeah because that's how you do it and um I think I did the Russian ballet instructors did not like me they're like she's flexible but she has no precision and she like so ballet like stressed me out for that reason but I really wanted to be good at ballet and I like really appreciated that everybody was so good at that structure and then they were like did you know you can sing and dance at the same time and I was like oh yeah I'm going to musical theater bye guys um but I quit right before I went on point because I think I knew I wasn't going to be good enough and I told myself it was because I wanted my feet to look pretty for the rest of my life I hate feet I don't want anyone to see my feet as is I definitely could have sacrificed them to the point gods but um I like really kind of copped out on point and I think and, and ballet in general and I think I could have you know used that structure a little bit more so um it's very interesting to hear it from the other side of the coin and like wanting to be more like creative and expressive I'm like I really craved that precision and wished I was better at all of that and didn't want to get yelled at yeah I feel like sometimes, yeah. sometimes when like the teachers come over from like Russia um or like yes. Eastern Europe they have very different um expectations as to how a classroom should run mm-hmm. uh-huh. and it usually takes a bit of intervention um and trial and error I feel like before they learn how we conduct things in the United States yeah mm-hmm. you know the girl who would always get in trouble for playing in the resin box that was me 100 <laughs> percent. the resin box that thing always like scared me a little bit I know I, I was never <laughs> And never, never went there. We also like weren't allowed to use it in the studio. So because my dance teacher was very particular about like the studios themselves. So we could only use it when we went to the auditorium. And I was like, this makes me nervous. <laughs> I know, me to too, actually. Um, yeah, we were like discouraged from using it in the studios. I think because like long term, it can make the Marley slippery. Mm-hmm. Or like, I guess like if like dust collects on it, I don't really know. But yeah, I was I was a little bit, I still don't really trust rosin, even yeah. though like, I, I, I mean, people use it with success. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's one of those weird things that I feel like was discouraged for so long that like, even now I'm just like, are we sure? yeah um Becca I would love to hear about your um dance experience too yeah so I similar to you I started dancing when I was like two or three I think and it was my sister is five years older than me and I also have a brother in between but he never danced but my sister would always go to dance and we would go pick her up and I would like dress up in a tutu to go pick her up from the studio and like beg my mom to let me go um so finally she signed me up and I started the way that it worked there, like we had a couple of classes a week. And then when you were at a certain point, you could audition for company. And so like in the fifth grade, I think I auditioned for company and made it. And then my parents were like, okay, you have to stop doing your other extracurriculars. <laughs> like this is very time consuming now. So I started going, we went like 
three days a week and then graduated to like four or five and then nutcracker season and stuff like that. We were going pretty much just like camping out there on the weekends. But yeah, I had an interesting experience because I, we had to do all styles of dance in company. So like you had to take tap, jazz, modern, and then we started doing lyrical, but that was optional later, but we never did like competitions and things like that. We went to like one convention the whole time I was dancing. So I feel like that world is like totally unknown to me, but it was very much like the studio culture was like really big in my town and everybody like teachers kind of knew during nutcracker season that you might not be there for lunchtime hours and things like that. Yeah, it was pretty intense. And then I, when I went to college, I was like, not, I did kind of like a club group, so it wasn't anything official. And I took a ballet class my sophomore year, but we didn't have a dance minor or anything like that. Like, I think minoring in dance would have been what I would have, like, I don't think I ever would have majored in it, but I might have minored in it if we had that option. But it just, it was like totally different because then it was like, oh, we're just doing this for fun. And we're all like, you know, just gathering in the basement of the gym. (laughs) And like, it was, the vibe was so different. And I found that I kind of missed that like structure and sort of the intense feeling behind it. And I felt like it wasn't as easy for me to kind of like tap into just the joy of it that I wanted to find. So I kind of just like faded out from dancing when I was in college but I had I had a Russian ballet teacher that you only started going to when she decided that your class was ready so she was very different from like the other you know eastern North Carolinian teachers that we had and definitely like she basically didn't learn people's names until she felt like you deserved a name so like slowly but surely she learned everyone's names but for a while it was like you you're going sixth and she put you in order of like how good she thought you were. So it was very obvious the whole time who she thought was good and who she thought was bad. So um, that was very, that was a very interesting experience. And I didn't, I didn't really think that much about like how dance impacted me as a grown up until I was working. And my old boss was like, Oh yeah, Becca's exactly like, she's, she's the way she is because she was a ballerina growing up. It explains everything about her. And I was like, really? Huh? And she was like, you're such a perfectionist and like, you don't want to do anything unless you can do it perfectly. And you're early to meetings all the time and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, never thought about that, but it makes a lot of sense. (laughs) That's so funny that they were able to pick up on that. And in fact, one of my favorite like compliments to receive from like a person who doesn't know that I have a dance background is like, oh, you're a dancer, aren't you? Or like Mm -hmm. you have like a dance background. I love when people like pick up on that. Um, like with in the wild, um, it, it makes me very happy. But I also realize that it comes with certain connotations. Like you're probably a perfectionist. You seem very dedicated and um, you probably have good posture. Yeah, um. like maybe a little <laughs> uptight, but um, <laughs> yeah. everything else. Yeah, Sid and I were at our, we were at like some comedian's apartment and just hanging out. And this girl like looks at me and she was like, you have amazing feet. And I was like, thank you. It's been so long since I've heard that. <laughs> I was like, like I really, his hair up. Yeah, I was like, I'm just not like I don't have my shoes off around people enough. They are not appreciating these arches, which were my claim to fame for so long. 
Oh and my now God. just like give me foot cramps. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's so real. I remember like post COVID when I went to my first ballet class, um, my like my feet were cramping um, when mm-hmm. I was like pointing and just doing like a bar. I was like, this is, I forgot that like those muscles could atrophy too. <laughs> yeah, uh, my turnout is like trash. And that was, I was never very flexible, but I had like good turnout, good feet, and like my back was flexible. And now I'm like, I can't even like, do a, and I try so hard and then I'm kind of like I know that this is worse like I should just accept where my body is today and work from there but it kind of like it's a little bit hard for me to take a dance class or like a dance-based class because I put so much pressure on myself to like get to where I was then and that's just simply not gonna happen so yeah I feel like there are like it, it depends on like the teacher in the class I feel like because certain classes are super open to like where your body is and like encouraging you to just like find expansiveness and like where you are on that day, which is like my favorite kind of class. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there are others that like you leave and you feel so terrible about yourself because you've been comparing yourself to like the 12 year old next to you who has like, like missing vertebrae in their back Mm -hmm. and like can like backbend to no end and has like the longest Bambi legs you've ever seen with the most gorgeous arches. And you're just like, I am a piece of trash (laughs) compared to them. Like I I feel like it depends. (laughs) Going to like a beginner ballet class and everybody there is just warming up for the advanced ballet class after. And it's like, okay, but please don't stand beside me because exactly some of us have danced in 10 years so (laughs) well did you dance in college I did and IU actually had a really good um elective ballet program um so you could like take classes that were taught by the dance majors um and some of their ballet staff um and it was three days a week um there was no like performance opportunities or or anything like that but um it was like a really structured lovely way to incorporate it into your schedule. So I I did that for all three years that I was at IU. Um, and then I feel like I kind of took a bit of a hiatus when I first, when I first um, graduated. Actually, no, that's a lie. I did not take a hiatus. I, when I moved to Indianapolis, which is where I lived my first year post-college, um, I actually danced with the Indianapolis Ballet um, oh, wow. to perform in the Nutcracker. Um, one of my girlfriends uh, at Butler she, University. Um, no, actually, oh. um, the, it's like through the Indianapolis School of Ballet. Um, oh, okay. They put on a performance, um, and one of my girlfriends who also lived in Indy grew up going to that school and she still was like loosely involved with it and so she encouraged me to audition and I did um and I ended up being cast in the snow and flower scene um and the year that I performed they actually um they performed with a live orchestra which was really cool to be a part of I'd never performed with a live orchestra so um that was a really really special opportunity um and also like I'd kind of left the nutcracker part of my life kind of in high school. And so it was really, really lovely to revisit it and have the mm-hmm. opportunity to, to share the stage and dance to that music again. Um, but, and then, so that was one opportunity that I took advantage of post-college. And then a couple of years later, my Ukrainian dance group, who I was kind of, I was like loosely involved with because I was living in the Midwest at the time and they're based in New York City. Um, So I would sometimes do like summer shows if I was like around for when they would have performances. Um, But they had an anniversary show coming up and um, they asked me to 
be a soloist in one of the pieces that they had um, that basically relayed Ukraine's fight for freedom. So uh, I wanted to do that. I wanted to, to spend the time to do that right. Um, and so for a couple of months while I was living in Chicago, I would like fly back to New York for rehearsals and coaching. And then when I was in Chicago and like couldn't be here, I would like take classes every single week because I really wanted my technique to be strong if I was going to be doing a piece that was that special. Um, so that was another performance opportunity that I was really, really grateful for. What's been interesting is that like kind of underlying all those performance opportunities is kind of that perspective that I mentioned earlier of like, I love this and I really love this opportunity, but I don't have the same space for dance in my life that I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's just interesting to like compare those phases of your life while you're going through it now versus like where you were at then but yeah some very special opportunities have come my way luckily since since college speaking of special opportunities do you want to speak a little bit about the vogue piece sure i would love to um yeah so vogue actually approached my ukrainian dance group um i want to say around the holidays um about being featured in their global women series so um they basically arranged an entire photo shoot and interview with us, um, and they wanted to feature, I believe it was six women kind of in particular, um, alongside the rest of the group. So um, because I've been dancing with this Ukrainian dance group since I was 16, um, so about 13 years, they um, you know, wanted to, to feature me as one of the, the women that they spoke to. Um, so I was very honored to, um, have the opportunity to be interviewed by them. Um, and I got to speak about the opportunity that I just told you guys about where I was performing in their anniversary show, um, in that role of hope and something that's kind of been very important and like held very close to me since Ukraine has been invaded is the hope that Ukrainian people continue to have for their future um, and their freedom. So I feel so, so, so like incredibly joyful that I got to embody that in dance. Um, That definitely felt like a very, it was like a very spiritual experience for me. And I remember one time when I was at practice, um, like it wasn't during my section, but it was in that piece. Um, I was just like watching all of the dancers go and I like teared up (laughs) and it was just kind of one of those moments that like, you feel like you've like arrived and you're like really present and you're like really taking in what that moment means. Um, So yeah, some of my most special um, dance moments have been related to that group. And so I was so, so grateful for the opportunity to showcase my love for that group um with Vogue and finally have a a voice for it because for a while like when I was younger people didn't really care about Ukrainian dance except those who did it and that was fine with me like I I loved it enough um that it didn't matter but it was really nice to have an opportunity to share uh my love on like kind of a larger stage well that sounds amazing I feel like it's so cool or I can imagine it would be really cool to be able to take something that like you are maybe not doing as much and as intensely now, but then you're able to like channel it into something that really means a lot to you, which is just kind of amazing. I think most people can't do that with the talents that they have. And so that's really cool. Yeah. I feel like burnout is super common in dancers, which 
it's I feel like it's such a difficult beast to manage because um, I think I've gone through phases where I've like felt a little bit more burnt out and then like come back and it's a little bit rejuvenated but yeah it's a uh, yeah I don't know that just occurred to me <laughs> mm-hmm. that, yeah. that, I feel like that taps into like the sad of it you know <laughs> yeah 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 maybe it's the like... perfect segue yeah <laughs> Definitely. What makes you sad? Well, the the burnout of it all, I feel like, is is tough. Like, I definitely have friends who, like, I think have struggled to find compelling performance opportunities or, like, um, you know, it's just, it's so tough and competitive, um, as I'm, as I'm sure you know. Yeah, I think, like, that, that's one thing to reckon with, where it's, like, I'm doing the thing right. Why am I not being seen for it? Um, that I think is, is difficult for a lot of people to a lot of dancers to, to kind of like sit with. Oh, no, actually I wanted to go back to Becca, what you were saying about the, um, about like the loose structure that you felt in, in college that kind of like led to you being a little bit less engaged with it. Cause like, I think it's so, it's tough to find like that middle ground between like super structured. I do X, Y, and Z and I get to perform and like, oh, we just like show up in a basement and like dance around and I don't know we'll see what comes of it, you know? Um, and do you, do you miss that? Like that dance element that I guess you used to have the super structure. Do you wish you had like something kind of a more middle ground? Yeah. And it's actually funny because I feel like Sid and I have talked about it now a couple times with our past few guests of like everybody we've been talking to has had some sort of dance background or like taking classes in the city and things like that. And I went to a class at Steps on Broadway and was just like overwhelmed by how good everybody was. And it was really, I don't know, I think it discouraged me from keeping it up. And I think when I moved to New York, I was like, I live in New York City. I'm going to do dance and I'm going to like, you know, every Saturday I'm going to go to a class or whatever it is. And um, I just got so discouraged by feeling like I was bad. And I don't know, it's just really tricky, especially if it's something that you've always really prided yourself in being good at and then all of a sudden you're like oh I'm really not that good and also I can't touch my toes anymore and like it just feels like all the pressure that I used to put on myself is still inside and it's hard for me to kind of like tap into it in a fun way but I did actually take this class at Equinox that they had that was like a ballet fitness class that they created with ABT and it was so fun because it was like kind of bar-esque but a little bit more cardio and it was like like bar, like pure bar, but it also felt like it was in the format of a ballet class, which was the whole kind of thing of it. So you started on the floor and like you did like tendus and it was like kind of a little bit funkier than your like normal bar class, but it was all really grounded in the same thing. And then you ended by going across the floor and then you do like a little adagio at the end. And it was very like for anyone, but if you wanted to like kind of treat it like a real dance class, you could, which was, I liked that. Um, so that was, I feel like that was the closest I've gotten. And I, I think that's when I realized that like, I need to find some sort of outlet because that was like really freeing for me to be able to do that. But it was on Friday nights and it was just really hard to do. And then I moved to Brooklyn and they don't have it at the location here. So I've been doing like pure bar, which kind of taps into the same mindset, you know, like making sure your posture is good and your technique is good, but I've been really kind of thinking that I need to take some sort of adult ballet class because I just, I definitely think I miss it a lot. And I love like every time Nutcracker season rolls around, I'm like, I find myself really reminiscing on that time in my life. And like, I love the music and I love watching those things. So 
it's, I feel like it's been hard for me to kind of find a balance where I'm not turning it into something where I'm just being hard on myself. And it's just like allowing myself to have fun with it because I just feel like the second I'm in there, I just start to critique myself and it just doesn't, I don't know. It's like really fun in a lot of ways, but it also doesn't feel as like joyful as I want it to feel. After years of not dancing at all, I'm trying to figure out what my balance should be. Well, I do want to take a tap class with Sid because I feel like I could go into a tap class and not be like so hard on myself because I was Yeah, little jazz hands. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say it's like it's definitely interesting. I feel like dance made me a pick me like um, I, I think I use the term pick me wrong because I don't know a better term for it. But the like like I was never a pick me for guys. I was a pick me for like teachers. I was needed to be a pleasure to have in class. I needed to succeed. I needed to get a little compliment. I needed to be, oh, Sid, can you come up here and show the rest of the class? Like literally that almost brought a tear to my eye, even just saying that. Um, and I used to live literally next door to steps and I like got really into tap and then like the teacher changed and he didn't like me as much. And then I was like, I'm not going to pay all this money to go to a class if I don't even get anything good out of it. And I was like, oh, I think the good thing I'm getting out of it is like praise. And I was just going because I was good. And I would often take a class down at my talent level just to like feel superior, not superior, but just to like knew I, know I was going to feel good at the end of the class. And I was like, I don't think this is what it's about. Uh, I should probably evaluate it. But um, I I think that kind of plays into it, like what you and Becca were saying, Tatiana, um, that when you're like there for the critique and you're there because you feel really good about yourself and then when you are going and what you can get out of it is how much fun you're having and like that's the joy of being there and maybe you're not as good anymore um that's like something you have to grapple with and I'm like do I still want to be here if I'm not getting what I think I need out of it um and it's okay to like learn to get something else out of it I think that's tough and then I'm like well you know there's other things I'm good at I'll just go do something else but yeah, the external validation is real. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it just when times were t- like when you're having a rough day and you're like so excited to go to dance and then you come out of the class and you don't feel good anymore and you're like, Ugh, I'm an adult. What am I even doing here? Like, I'm not gonna do this for the rest of my life. If I'm not gonna having any fun here, but I just had to like train my brain that other things were fun and just like working on my pullbacks and getting my pullbacks like that's a little treat for myself at the end of the day I don't have to be the best in the class because the thing about going to steps is yeah literally if we're familiar with cats this guy came into my advanced beginner class and was wearing a Mr. Mustafeles jacket he was Mr. Mustafeles in the tour of cats and I'm like it should be illegal for you to sign up for this class um so yeah I mean this is just reiterating what Becca was already saying and what Tatiana was already saying that in New York, you're not going to be the best, um, which sometimes like we talk about is like nice to have the anonymity and you're just some girl putting your feet, doing your best. Um, one, one thing, one thing I do like about steps, it can be very overwhelming. So you're like literally sometimes taking classes with like ABT or New York city ballet, like company dancers. Um, you're never going to be the best, but you're also never going to be the worst. And like, there's, there's people. Sometimes in there you like, are Tatiana. <laughs> I disagree. I think, like, I bet even if you feel like you're the worst, there are probably people in that class who look at you and are like, damn, they do that well. And I've been struggling with that for a while. Like, that's definitely something that, like, I I feel like I've learned in my, like, 
adult years of, of dancing. Um, and also to go back to both of your points about like, um, you know, you're not the dancer you used to be. Mari Andrew actually, she wrote this like really lovely post um, a couple of years ago. And I like still keep it in my saved and look at it from time to time. Um, but her whole thing is like, basically, I guess when she was traveling at one point, she got sick and um, her capabilities changed and like she couldn't point her feet anymore. Um, and she used to love dance. And so this was really difficult for her because she couldn't dance in the same way that she used to. And her whole point is like, I'm not the dancer that I used to be, but I'm a different kind of dancer. And I move with gratitude because um, of what I can do. And I'm less focused on what I can't do. And I don't know, that's kind of try how I try to go into like any sort of movement based art is like, I'm not going to be able to do anything. I'm going to have to wrestle with some things more than others, but other people are also going through the same struggle. And like, while I can look at one person and be like, why did they, I feel like with like the aerial um, arts that I've been getting into, it's like so easy for me to like look at other people and be like, I've been struggling with this one thing for literally two years. Um, and it seems like they got it so easily. Um, but I know that I also have elements that like other people probably look at and they're like, why can she do that? Um, you know, and it's just like, everybody is on their own journey. Um, and that's something that I try and keep in mind too, with like, just giving yourself grace. I think that's really nice. I do kind of feel like when I've tried stuff that's so out of my comfort zone, but still based in dance, like I have a little bit more, it's not confidence because I don't feel like I'm good, but I'm like, it's a, a little bit more like, oh, well, I'm probably going to be bad. So then if I surprise myself, I'm not being terrible. It's like kind of fun. And I don't know. I kind of feel that way about yoga and stuff like that, where I'm just like, I don't really know how to do this, but I kind of do. So I've got a starting point, but I actually was in, I think it's in Gowanus. There's like a pole studio and um, it's like up on this loft and we were looking at it and I was like, what is that? And realized it was a pole dancing studio. And I was like, I really want to try that because I know I would not be good at it, but I think it would be far enough from like the stuff that I think I should be good at. Like, I think I could kind of go in with just like no expectations and have fun with it. Um, so that's something I've been like toying with is should I stop just trying to do stuff that I'm, I feel like I have a natural inclination to towards because I just am like, I, it's really hard for me to do things that I feel like I'm bad at. <laughs> and I think it probably would be good for my personal growth to force myself to do some things that like, I'm not going to be amazing at on the first try. Not that I was like an amazing dancer, but I felt like I, you know, got to a point where I was like pretty confident and then that's sort of gone, but you should absolutely do it. <laughs> um, the great thing about like any sort of aerial arts is like, like your, your dance skills will translate to it, even though you're wrestling with a new beast. So what I found with like kind of like diving into that world is that, like you kind of have a leg up on certain elements while you also get to feel yourself improve on others. So it's less of like the struggle of like, I used to be this good at like having my turnout or my fifth position. And it's more like, oh, I can use where I'm at now and like feel myself grow in other ways. So um, highly recommend doing the pole dancing class because um, I think you'll have a lot of fun, even if it's super humbling, like yeah, <laughs> for any sort of aerial based arts, like if it's super humbling, that means you're doing it right. <laughs> mm -hmm. How did you get into aerial? Um, actually, a girl that I used to do ballet with when I was in high school, um, she 
does it professionally now. And so I saw her videos on Instagram and I just thought to myself, like, that is so mesmerizing. I need to like create those shapes in my body at some point. Um, similar to kind of like how I got into ballet and like seeing point. Um, like I had kind of like a goal post in mind of like, I want to, I want to like look like water moving through the air, um, was kind of, I don't know what spoke to me about it. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's definitely been a struggle. Um, there are still things that, as I've mentioned, I like struggle with, like, I still can't do a pull-up, which is hilarious because I've been doing this for almost two years now. Um, (laughs) and, uh, yeah, there are definitely certain things that I struggle with, but other things that I feel like very confident in. So I don't know. It's kind of like an interesting balancing act. Yeah. I'm sure there's an element too of like, it's just really cool that your body can do that. Like that's, it's so amazing to watch other people do it that to be able to like, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it's just like so empowering. Definitely. Um, Tatiana, can you talk a little bit about like giving it the space you think it deserves like in your adult life? I know we touched on it a little bit earlier, but like this is a new hobby and like you have a social life and you have a full time job and you're I as your personal friend, I know that you're like really pouring a lot of yourself into the aerial arts right now. So like how are you approaching like that balance of like maybe you will be professional if that's what you want to do, you should go do it. But I'm like you probably won't like be professional at it. I think that's like a very much a good girl gone sad trait is, um, or a lot of things good girls gone sad struggle with is this thing they loved in the past and like knowing how much space to give it in their current life. And so I just want to know like your approach to it. I feel like I just kind of fit it in where I can. And like, I don't give it, I know it's important to me. It's not the most important thing to me. So I feel like it's, I fit it in when I can and um, I have like certain goals in mind that kind of like drive me to continue pursuing it consistently, but I don't, I try not to like beat myself up if it's been like a couple of weeks since I like, you know, got into the studio Um, and I also, I don't have like specific timelines in mind of like, I need to do this by then. Um, So I think that's allowed me to like be present with where I'm at. but yeah, one of the goals that I have is to perform um, a solo piece in the city, um, hopefully within the next year or so. Um, so I'm actually working on putting something together now. Um, but one thing that I'm really excited about it um, that I feel like I never had when I was in like high school or doing um, doing ballet is like really creating a piece and like a solo that feels reflective of me and like it, everything is on my terms. Like it's been very empowering as an adult to approach an art or a creative pursuit and like do it completely creating it how you want it to to be um so I've been really um energized by like I don't know just kind of exploring shapes and styles and pieces of music and not necessarily feeling tied to any one thing um and you know it not being like my be all end all um like I know it's it's one part of my life and as I mentioned it's an important part of my life um but it also I think it just like informs the other parts of my life like it makes me more grateful for like the friends who really support me and like um you know like it gives me something to to 
kind of have a fun fact at work and um it just kind of it feels very supplemental um not like it like has overtaken any one part of my life so yeah good question that's amazing <laughs> I'm so inspired I'm like I'm gonna oh. sign up for a class now <laughs> do it I will go to ballet class with you like I've actually found that's that. like one of the like nicest kindest ways to approach like an intimidating ballet class um it's just like go with one of your girlfriends and it's one of my favorite practices actually to um I go to like a steps class um some Sundays um I've not been as good with going lately but with one of my um very close friends who I grew up doing ballet with um and there's a teacher at steps who is wonderful and I was actually going to recommend her class she's very like be with your body and she actually taught me and this other friend when we were in high school um and uh yeah she's she's wonderful and like it also feels very like it just feels like a very forgiving space mm-hmm. it's like just be kind to to your body and like be grateful that you can do what you can and um spin and have fun along the way so <laughs> that's amazing yes I would love a list if you have class <laughs> recommendations we should all go together that would be so fun absolutely <laughs> and then I will I'd be the worst to... but I'll wear my favorite my... purple leotard and I'll be like, I don't um, care about my leotard. I know. I'm like, do I have a leotard here? We'll have to figure that out. Oh my god, Sid! Wait, I like wanted to talk about this since we started recording, but I remember one during one of your sets, you were talking about like the ballet clothes poking out of your like regular clothes, like when you like reach up at the grocery store and you're still you're still wearing your leotard. Like that hits so hard. I feel like it deserves an entry in the Good Girl glossary. Like I don't know what to call it because I feel like we need to make it concise, but like <laughs> it's so real. It's like you know you know who I am. <laughs> like that little the little bit of tights like pokes out. <laughs> yes. The the word performative comes up a lot here. Um, like doing things so other people know you're doing them. So that would be performative dancewear. Not dancewear to perform, performative dancewear. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I have a question. So when you like were leaving dance class, did you put all like did you get on like full clothes and then did you have your tights just peeking out? from like your shorts or whatever and you have to I feel like people would either leave them like around your heel with like the little toe part flopping up like that was one look or the other look was kind of like folded in like a capri pant way like a very clean kind of capri pant fold so I'm curious what your vibes were this is a convertible tight by the way right yes a convertible tight yes yes, yes, yes. yeah important <laughs> to note you're not just ripping your tights open so that you can fold them up <laughs> Um, I feel like, well, it kind of depends on the season. Um, but like in the summer, I would love, I would love doing like shorts or like a romper and like having my tights like rolled up to like the capri length. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I feel like in the winter, I loved the look of like Uggs and like Uggs. your sweatpants. Yeah. Uggs. 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 Yeah. 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 And like your big old dance bag, like your layers and like mm-hmm. your your sweats over with like tucked into your Uggs. Like it was a whole a whole vibe. Um <laughs> And if you planned your outfit wrong and you were like, oh, these things don't match, and it was like it ruined my whole day if I didn't have a perfect post dance look. Um wait, real quick question, Tatiana. It's been entered into the Good Girl Glossary already. Um so we would like to know what was your UGG of choice? Um the entry into the Good Girl Glossary was alternative Uggs and we found out both Becca and I had the cardigan Uggs. 
Oh my god, it's funny that you mentioned alternative Uggs because I also did not have like the standard Ugg. Mm-hmm. I had like I had like a very extra version that was like I don't even know what you would call it, but it had like the shearling on the side and then over. I know exactly like, the Ugg you're talking about. You know about. the ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I begged my mom to get them for me one night. Like <laughs> he's like, so Mom, funny. these will make my life so much better. They were like tall and like yeah, I felt like a I felt like the coolest thing in them. <laughs> Boy, also, like, you both lived in places that get cold. Like, I did not need Uggs in eastern North Carolina. <laughs> but you better believe, like, November rolled around and we were, like, stuffing our jazz pants into Uggs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, Wait, and, let, and let them balloon out the top? Okay, well, so I feel like the style was more um, like a like a casual tuck, like, like a front tuck, you know, like you would do with a sweater or something. A French tuck was, of the pant into the Ugg? Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was the vibe was kind of like, oh, I just threw this together. Like that was definitely the energy. And maybe other people did throw it together, but not me. <laughs> it was like a very a carefully calculated like, casual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would do like the like sweatshirt and I would like cut the neck out to be like, well, I don't I just don't want to mess up my hair. So it's just but it's like I was doing that because I saw it in center stage. Let's be real. <laughs> oh, my God. The, the things that Setter Stage did for a good girl culture so and also things. beat dance culture. I would have murdered <laughs> for a pair of red point shoes. <laughs> right? I, I know. Truly the reason I considered going on point. I was like, but then I'll never have red point shoes. Mom's like, you can just buy some and put them in your room. And I was like, okay. <laughs> that works. <laughs> it's not the same. Same. Um, wait, question. What was uh, – do you guys know that brand that was like really big in – the early 2000s that like big prince paisley jessica mcclintock has come to my mind but i know that's not the right one vera bradley vera bradley Bradley your guys' studio as hard as it came for mine okay so this one did you know vera bradley is from fort wayne indiana so i really growing up thought it was like an indiana midwest thing and i have found out later in life that it actually pervaded the entire United States of America but um I don't know if it's actually been added to the good girl glossary yet but I'm about to do an official submission we've talked about it because we swapped our uh which print we had but that might have just been like us talking as friends because we do that no I think we were just texting about it because I was like I'm going to save this for a specific glossary entry episode but I'm about Mm. to officially um put in for submission having a medium ugly Vera Bradley pattern because you didn't want to have one that someone else had. And so real. <laughs> I had this so like real. brown, red, and yellow one that was truly heinous. And my mom's going to listen to this and be like, it wasn't that bad. What are you talking about? Um, oh my God. But I needed that one because everyone had the like medallion one in either green or pink. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I was about to and, I was about to tell a story about the pink one <laughs> when you're done. <laughs> and I had a brown one because I was like, I'm different. I'm not like other girls, but you are like other girls and still carrying Vera Bradley. But also, it was like an honor to have Vera Bradley because it is still pretty expensive. Um, Becca, what was your pattern? I had the turquoise paisley, so not super funky, but none of my friends had it. And I feel like we like consulted each other before to make sure we didn't have the same one. Although I will say, it was never my dance bag. I don't think. I might have taken it – well, so I think I, like, when I had a thing after dance and I would have to, like, change at dance, I think I would take it for that. But my dance bag was, like, just a giant black, like, dance skin with, like, a big fold-over strap (laughs) or a fold-over, like, panel. I don't even know what the purpose of that was. But I feel like everybody had them at my dance studio. I don't know why. I 
but it was just like the dance bag of choice. Um, my dance bag was an America's Next Top Model duffel bag. Delusion. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. <laughs> I really wish I still energy. had it. <laughs> it's kind of iconic, honestly. A truly. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh yeah, um, I remember one of my friends um, from ballet. I never actually had a Vera Bradley bag myself, but I feel like I feel like I, since I was so surrounded by them, it feels like I did. Um, but I remember one time I went to uh, the movies with one of my friends from dance um, and she had the most massive duffel um, that was like the bright pink Vera Bradley. Or it was like kind of the salmon pink, if you know the, the one. Um, she had one of those that was like packed to the brim at all times with all of her dance stuff. And I remember we went to, um, we went to the movies one night and we picked up like McDonald's and to like smuggle it in, we like put it in this like never ending. Like it's like the Mary Poppins bag of, <laughs> of Vera Bradley. And like, just like we're able to smuggle it in no problem because she just put it in. I like swear I'm having this recovered memory of getting in my friend's weekender and they zipped me up in it because they are that never ending. Granted, oh I was a lot God. smaller, like in high school, but I think like That's freshman so year of high funny. school, we, we like zipped me up into a weekender. Taylor Swift five. I totally see that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so Becca, really do you? Um, I nominate it for submission. Do you second? Oh, I totally second the nomination. Tatiana, <laughs> do you second? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, let's go, Becca. Having a medium ugly Vera Bradley pattern. Ba, ba, da, ba. All right, it's in there. Um, so Wait, Tatiana. Tatiana, yeah, mm-hmm. Jinx, <laughs> we would love to hear your glossary entry. Um, being on time as as a primary personality trait, um, is my entry. Yeah, and I think I think it's got roots in the in the dance background. Sounds like we all <laughs> struggle mm-hmm. with it. <laughs> so, are you an on time person, or are you a fifteen minutes early person? I feel like I've become an on-time person, but there was definitely a period of my life where I was the 15 minutes early person. And if I was not 15 minutes early, I was already late. Um, I feel like that was kind of my, that was definitely like a a college Tatiana vibe. Like I was always early to my classes um, and I felt very stressed if, if I was not early. Um, And even now I like definitely anticipate like dumb day-to-day things. Like, I don't know. I don't know if anybody else does this, but I feel like I am like on top of my keys before like when I am on the block walking to my apartment um so I definitely I still have like hints of that kind of like anticipation and today when I texted Sid to like ask if we could push this back by a half hour like it ended up being okay like I was only like five minutes late um or it was like only five minutes past the time that we had originally planned to record um but I still I felt like I was like I was late when I was on the subway and so I needed to like manage it you know do you get the like like hot feeling? Like I get this very specific hot feeling of like anxiety when I am like, oh no, I'm going to be late. And the funny thing is I'm late a lot now, but I always am very anxious about it. I know. I feel like, well, I feel like New York, being, being in New York has led my timeline to be like, 15 minutes late is on time Mm -hmm. you know what I mean yes um so for that reason I feel like I I feel a bit more grace but yeah I definitely still get like I don't I don't get hot necessarily but I do feel like panicky a little Mm -hmm. bit yeah well we actually did we've added to the good girl glossary like a while ago um arriving early and circling the block (laughs) which was (laughs) 
Like, that is so, I do that all the time. I literally did that for the hairdresser the other week. Like, I won't even, like, go and see if it's empty and she can take me early. I'm like, I cannot get there early because that's rude to arrive too early. But I won't leave, like, the one block radius so that I can get there at, like, the predetermined time. But then I feel like Zoom meetings kind of took that away from me because, like, if you're early to a work Zoom meeting, you might join a different meeting. (laughs) Like, you can't really be early. But I kind of, oh, I was just going to say, I, I think it's funny that you like do the circle around the block thing so that like you don't come off as rude. I'm like, I want them to know that I'm early. <laughs> and so I like come in. Get credit. I feel mm-hmm. like that's, yeah, exactly. That's like my, my pick me coming in. Um, <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. The professor or the hairdresser or the whoever needs to know that I was gladly early. I'm having a realization right now Um, as both of you know I'm not the most on time person nor the second most on time person nor on time ever and I think it's because the unknown of being early makes me very anxious I'm like I want to arrive when it starts or like even a little bit after because like the anxiety of like being there not knowing where things are what if they're not set up like it that really freaks me out so that's like kind of dining on me right now that being early is too much unknown. So wow. I, mm-hmm. so if I that's do arrive early, I will circle the block or I will play a little something on my phone. But then I'm like, no, they're going to feel bad because I was just standing out here. So yeah, I'm actually- That's why you have to circle. You can't just I'm literally getting there. You have to circle. No, because then they're going to see me. Becca, you know I have very bright coats and weird little outfits. They're, you're going to notice me circling the block. <laughs> I actually true. think about this all the time. I'm like, if I wasn't wearing such a bright, stupid hat, <laughs> sometimes I'll take it off <laughs> when I turn the corner. Um, I'm actually anonymous. <laughs> um, I'm like actually getting like anxious about it right now. I'm like, huh, if there's a dinner reservation, I will oh, I will arrive early to reservation because I know that I can probably be sat or like I will take one for the team and be like, I am here early. People are coming because that's like I know what it's like to be inside a restaurant. But if it's something else, like being early makes me actually quite anxious. So I also, see, I like love camping out. Mm. I'm also very bad at being even on time. So I don't know why I have the anxiety of being early, but I think that they're separate. My like self-diagnosed time blindness, which is a term I heard on TikTok. I have time blindness. Well, I have, I kind of have like, I know how long things take me, but then I only allot that amount of time. And so if Mm. something goes wrong, like if I don't like the outfit and then I get very overwhelmed. And so I then have to like deal with changing whatever it is or like redoing my hair or changing the outfit and then I get like very stressed about it we kind of Tatiana we kind of have to get ready for shows together that's like the only way we get on get there on time I feel like the times I come over and like help you pick out an outfit or like get ready with you or the times that like we have our most success getting somewhere on time because if not yeah we both just like sit and stew and text back and forth The other thing is, like, I don't want to be there before you. Like, I don't want to be there so, like, early and then have to, like, make small talk with the people at the venue. (laughs) Like, that sounds horrible. So I'd rather go together. (laughs) Yes. Whatever time, Uh, we can make it. (laughs) Yes. That sounds like a really lovely, like, practice, too. Like, it kind of reminds me of, like, being back in the sorority of, like, getting ready for, like, a thing together so that you can show up together. Um, Mm -hmm. And I bet, like, I bet, Becca, like, your promptness, like, 
balances Sid's time blindness out. <laughs> well, she's like, I like, am more decisive than I am. So when I'm like trying to figure out what to wear and stuff, she's like, that looks mm-hmm. better. Wear those pants. Let's go. And I'm like, great. So I feel like we balance each other out well on that. Yeah. So like I have yeah. to arrive at her place and I'll say it's going to be like this time. And then I'm normally half an hour late. So we have a extra half hour but then you'll be in a pretty good place by the time I get there it probably would have been too early if I was there half an hour early anyway so we ever like we're like in a good groove unless things yeah. are going wrong for You're both of us then we are this ship is sunk cancel the show yeah <laughs> <laughs> seriously when do you guys have a new show coming up oh my god great question, great question. that we don't have an answer to <laughs> Yeah, we don't have one. We want to do one in the spring. Well, it is the spring, I guess. So mm-hmm. we want to do one later in the spring. Um, and then we're, we would like to do a little um, traveling tour. So we really want to do a show in Chicago, um, maybe North Carolina. Maybe we talked about Indianapolis, right? Yeah. And, you know, California, if we make it out there. So if you live in any Very of those cool. places... And you would like to see us, please let us know. We'll actually probably have a poll at the end of this at the end of this episode on Spotify for yeah. Podcasters. Yeah, we had a poll in our last and four people took it and I was one of them. So it was huge. <laughs> Love that. Great engagement. Um, <laughs> yes. Crazy engagement. Um, but Tatiana, we absolutely I submit your submission to the glossary, Becca. I second the submission. Being, being on, early being on time. <laughs> oh as a personality trait. Is it early or on time? Is it early or on time? Um, That's what we need I to I think decide. being – well, what's more applicable? I think for you – I think for you it's being early as like – from like a position of mm. power. So I think it mm. is like being early as a personality trait. I yeah, think that's okay. I think that's right. Okay. I okay. think that's correct. Being, being early, early, early as, as a personality trait. Personality trait. Now we're going to play a little game. Yes. Yeah, we have a quick little game. Mm -hmm. Silly little game, as we always play. Um, This one is actually was named by ChatGPT because we really pride ourselves on our punny names, but I was not as able to come up with one today. So um, ChatGPT helped me out. What's the name of the game? So the name of this game is the Cha Cha Challenge. But some other fun ones that we had were... Boogie Fights, The Battle for the Dance Floor, um, Funky Feet Frenzy, Hip Hop Hooray, Tango Tussle. I think those were the best ones. Oh, Electric Slide Escape is fun. <laughs> I was like, what wow. kind of game do you think I'm writing over here? I know. But... And then there was another one that was Line Dance Legends, Stepping into oh, Stardom. Yeah. And that just feels like a spinoff of the like rock band franchise they were like running out or like dance dance revolution they were like running out yeah. of genres to make so they're like the line dance legends stepping into stardom or, or it's maybe like just... a one season show on like abc <laughs> <laughs> it's um because bun hands failed amy sherman paladino was like you know what will work line dancing line dance legends yes well, these so this... all sound like like sorority like function names yes oh my gosh yeah yeah (laughs) that's so funny well this game's very simple it's just true or false and it's like dance trivia from all over the dance world um so some of them we made up some of them are real and you just guess whether they're true or false and no matter what you will will win the game so (laughs) amazing all right I can do the first one 
So when ballet dancers go on stage, they don't say break a leg. They say merde, which is French for shit. Is that true or false? True. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I love that fact. I love telling people that. Oh, my God. Little fun fact um, offshoot of that. Um, I think Isabella Boylston of American Ballet Theater has like a little choker that says merde um, on it mm-hmm. in its little beads. It's so cute. I want one. <laughs> oh, well, I want one too, actually. That sounds amazing. <laughs> if I had one, though, I'd want it like nameplate style. So it's like someone, it's like, is your name merde? No. It's like, it's like my parents bird, like, like Yes, exactly. <laughs> like exactly. Carrie Bradshaw style. Yeah, I'm gonna get like the um the permanent one fused to my wrist that just says yeah. Merid. <laughs> um so good. fun story about Merid is that it always made me feel naughty. <laughs> when I first like, learned I- that, I was like, that's not true. We're like being tricked because nobody told us that until like high school probably. And I was like, I- that's not real. I felt like I was being coerced into cursing. (laughs) That's amazing. I love how that's where your brain immediately goes. (laughs) All good and healthy. I'm not gonna put one in the in the swear jar. (laughs) (laughs) Not gonna get me that easy. (laughs) I was being lied to. Anyway, okay. Question two: The first evidence of dance is traced back to India. I guess I could see it being true. I don't know. Go with true because that's correct. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, they found drawings of like early dancing, and that's how they knew that it's cool. traced back to India. Fun fact. Well, just normal fact, maybe. <laughs> Today um, I learned. Yes. Okay, number three, really leaning into the boogie fights of it all. Um, break dancing is said to have started in Brooklyn as a way for businessmen to settle legal disputes. Is that true or false? I'm going to say false, but I will be very delighted if it's true. It's false, but the real answer is even better. It was started in the Bronx as a less lethal way for street gangs to settle disputes. So I guess West Side Story wasn't lying. I don't think it was. (laughs) Step Up (laughs) 2 in the streets was based on a true story. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Um, Okay, number four. In Sweden, it's technically illegal to move your feet. To music. Uh, To music. To music. (laughs) You can't walk. false. (laughs) <laughs> it's true what yeah apparently it was like up for discussion a few years ago and they decided to keep it because it would like be easier i don't know i was very confused by that but it's a fun fact oh, i'm assuming it's decriminalized wild. i would hope so <laughs> with all those clogs Damn, somebody <laughs> i know i was somebody like better be the clogging. home country of abba <laughs> yeah, yeah and it's Damn, illegal you're living dance? like this that's so true huge if true Mm -hmm. okay number five the foxtrot was named after the animal with the style of dance mimicking the creature's posture and movement i think that's true it's false it was named after a guy named harry fox i thought that was so funny because i've always (laughs) just assumed it was like related to the creature but no he's not just some guy he was a vaudeville actor yes what does that mean um I don't want to do vaudeville a disservice by describing it incorrectly, but vaudeville was an early type of dance that was very theatrical, and they would go on tour. Did you ever have to do the shim sham shimmy, like the tap? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay, um, look up vaudeville. I feel like I'm gonna. <laughs> it's it was like a much like dance is like a form of 
entertainment a la like cabaret burlesque kind of thing versus um a very specific form of like ballet and like classical kind of thing basically it's jazz hands the the form of entertainment yeah yeah i always think of it in like black and white like film um it's also it's more like a variety show to be honest um but the shim sham shimmy is something that they would get the entire company to do and it was this like it's like a series of tap steps um but they it's like a part of the classical tap repertoire um but let's see what dictionary.com has to say vaudeville is a type of entertainment popular chiefly in the u.s during the 20th century I guess I'm crying over vaudeville, um, featuring a mixture of specialty acts such as burlesque, comedy, and song and dance. His comedic roots are in vaudeville, is the sentence they give us. I always have a joke that if I, like, I only do comedy because vaudeville is dead. Like, I really would have just been, like, a girl with tap shoes on and then kind of comedically tap dancing somehow. It's not too late to bring it back, Sid. If we ever make our two-woman show, we need to have a tap dance number, I think. Absolutely. I... I'm surprised that was ever in question. (laughs) That's the point of our two-woman show. Okay. Um, Next question. The highest paid dancer in the world is Derek Hoff. True or false? False. Who do you think it is? I don't know. It's, like, difficult to – like, I don't know what other dancers in other companies make. True. Um, Well – you don't have to guess. Just, yeah. I won't make you guess. Um, <laughs> apparently, it's either Mark Ballas, um, which good for Mark Ballas. I would not think of him know, as right? the highest paid dancer. Um, I would. Yeah. Think I always like, saw I'm that like, on it's... one source, but it was mm. the most recent. Mm. The other one's mm. better. Mm. I see. Um, or Michael Flatley, and Michael Flatley was the lead in the River Dance, and he earned one point six million dollars a week during the show's peak. I am the crazy? Lord of the Dance, says he. It's wild. What? I know. Also, like, its peak was a while ago. So on $1.6 million a while ago, the, the NFL players are quaking in their boots. They shouldn't I mean, have, I, should have made fun I, of ballerinas. I had the VHS, so, so I contributed to his salary. I didn't realize Celtic women wild. and Riverdance were different because the Celtic mm. women also tour. And I think I went and saw Celtic women once and I was like, where's, where's the dancing? Where's the dancing? Oh, you want to talk about pick me energy? I took the one credit elective of Irish dance, intro to Irish dance at Indiana University. And I was far and away the best person because everybody, I was a freshman. Every other person in there was a senior that literally needed one more credit to graduate. And they did not (laughs) care at all. And I would stand in the front of the class um, with my tap shoes because it was like essentially like clogging. And I would basically like do solos the entire time. And I I think everyone was just thankful that somebody cared enough that the teacher was like, I don't know, she cares. So that's nice. (laughs) Um, They're like, that's sufficient. Yeah. (laughs) That's such a fun class. They're like, if she's trying, we kind of don't have to. And yeah. And there's this one cute boy that I thought was going to fall in love with me. Um. And he didn't. He, you were mm. like, "This is gonna be, this is gonna be the catalyst for him. He's gonna see me. I'm gonna dance my <laughs> way arrived. into his heart." <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that <laughs> I think there's a one more, Becca. Yes. So the record for the world's largest dance was set by a group of seventy-two thousand people doing the Macarena in Idaho. True or false? I want to say false because I don't think it was Idaho. You're right. It was, was it? the Chicken Dance in Ohio. I thought it was the Macarena, but... <laughs> <laughs> I just love that they all gathered together to do the chicken dance. Like, you kind of have to... 
I guess you don't really have to learn that. I was thinking I didn't know it, but that I started thinking it in my head and I definitely do. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those, like either the YMCA, the Macarena, or the Chicken Dance. Mm-hmm. Like every American knows it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, your final question. Gangnam Style was the first YouTube video to reach 1 billion views in 2012. True or false? I think it's true. True. I think, yeah. And it's still in the top five most watched YouTube videos of all time. The reason I included that was because when I Googled, I was trying to find, like, what's the most popular style of dance in the world. And I was assuming it was, like, some sort of, like, Indian dance or something. So I Googled it to see what it was called. And there is an Indian dance style that is on a lot of the list. But there was no, like, official answer. But on one of them, it had Gognam style as number one, the most popular dance style. And I was like... I don't think this is right, but I also guess it's not wrong. Like, I was like, yeah. if it's the most watched video, then sure, I see why you put it on this listicle, but... Um, it, like, arguably is the most popular. I, I think it might be. <laughs> it's I, I don't know if I ever did. Oh, yeah. Oh, what? What? Um, I'm doing oh, it perfectly God. for the listeners at home. I just she absolutely is. crushed. <laughs> um, I remember being like, ugh, another term, another song where the term sexy is used to, to sexualize women. <laughs> Guys, I was I literally think... the most annoying person on the planet. I couldn't let Gangnam Style just be. I had to take up personal beef with Gangnam Style. That is so funny that it bothered you that they said, hey, sexy ladies. <laughs> I was like, can't we all just dance? Why does it have to be about sex? well now we're talking about it on your guys podcast so it's like full circle full circle yeah i wonder if anybody out there had the same experience (laughs) or if people weren't allowed to listen to it because they said hey sexy ladies yeah maybe that's what they have to like that's the poll of the week were you just were you disturbed by the term sexy (laughs) in gangnam style oh my god this is reminding me um do you guys remember um nelly's get hot in here yes um that song when it came out really um it just made me feel really weird to hear it in the family car while we were on vacation <laughs> um and so me and my brothers uh like they were like it's getting hot in here so take off all your clothes we would replace clothes with shoes because that kind of diffused the sexuality of it <laughs> and um, made it more palatable for us so now even to this day like when I hear it I just hear like take off all your shoes that's so funny. that's some kids pop shit <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I used to do stuff like that, too. Or just, like, refused to understand the real definition of a song. Like, Sid and I have talked about that. Just, like, not knowing when things were dirty and just moving along without finding out. (laughs) I was like, I think that was a dirty reference. And instead of asking or looking it up, I'm just going to assume it wasn't. He just wanted to go to the candy shop and he wanted to get a lollipop. And that was that. (laughs) Or opposite, just assuming everything was dirty and being like, why do you listen to that? And they're like, Sid, this is literally about saving the trees. Like, what do you think? (laughs) Just like erring on the side of caution that everything was dirty all the time. Everything dirty everywhere all at once. That was my Unless Chris Tomlinson wrote it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, the final portion of our show is we do something called Pass the Offertory Plate, which is basically giving you the space to uplift anything you would like, aka plug your socials or anything um, you would like the audience to know about you. 
Uh, yeah, so I am on Instagram and I share a lot of aerial videos and other dance related content. Um, so my handle is Tatiana underscore underscore OZ. Um, and I am also doing a fundraiser at the, t at the moment where um, I'm raising money on behalf of my grandmother to plant a tree in her memory. Um, and I am creating custom aerial pieces in exchange for a donation. So um Follow me on Instagram, DM me if you are interested in receiving a custom aerial piece. Um, it doesn't need to be for you. It could be for somebody else in your life who appreciates movement or dance or art. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's all. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was such a delight to talk to you. Yes, absolutely. And if you go to Tatiana's page, I assume we can also find the um, link to the Vogue article, correct? Yes, it's in my bio. Perfect. Um, Becca, is there any plates you'd like to any money you'd like to put in the plate i don't know if that works perfectly yeah. <laughs> sure you can follow me on instagram at the becca stevenson and you can follow me on tiktok twitter and youtube shorts at the real underscore becca and you can follow me uh sid king at sid period the period king on instagram and don't follow me anywhere else follow us though the good girls gone sad at Good Girls Gone Sad on TikTok and Instagram. You can email us your own Good Girl Glossary entries at goodgirlsgonesad at gmail.com. Please like, rate, and review. You know the deal. Um, and also, now that we are on Spotify for podcasters, which you might have heard an ad before this because now we're girls with ads, um, you should answer our polls and our Q&As because we're going to put them at the end of every episode. And if you leave us a review, we will mail, mail you a sticker. You just have to tell us that you did it, screenshot it, and give us an address. It doesn't even have to be to your house. You can send a sticker to your enemy, but we will mail you a sticker. I think all that's left to say is, Jesus wouldn't call people whores on the internet. Bye. Bye. Bye.